Hi, I'm Wendy Francis, nutrition therapist, emotional eating expert, and entrepreneur. I've helped countless people overcome their obsession with food and weight. Isn't it time you overcame what you had become and ignite who you were meant to be? Your time to become an overcomer starts now. Welcome to the Overcoming Emotional Eating Podcast. In this episode, David Brownlee and I on a Facebook Live do an interview talking about the ways that you can overcome emotional eating during this time at home. Take a listen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you guys are doing well out there. I hope you're thriving. I am here with uh, a real good friend of mine, uh, Wendy Francis. And uh, she is absolutely amazing. We, we actually met, we were uh, coaching together for Tony Robbins and uh, we were both on the same team and she's helped so many people. And now she's moved into helping people with their nutrition and uh, overcoming the psychology of uh, eating. So this is going to be awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. So let me just tell you a little bit about Wendy, because she is the mighty Wendy Francis. Um, she is a best-selling author. She's written three books now. Uh, she is the founder of Empowerment Coaching International, and she is the CEO of Integrative Freedom and Pure Vitality. So she is really a pioneer in nutrition, uh, therapy, and food psychology. So this is really cool. So please put your hands together. And help me welcome mighty <laughs> Wendy Francis. <gasps> thanks, David. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very cool. Well, thanks for taking the time out of your busy day, because I know right now you are doing so many different things. And I really appreciate you being here with us today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. I mean, it's so interesting in the, in the field of food psychology, which I've been in for 26 years, because I, you know, was in my prior practice eight. 19 years yep. before I met you. And when I met you, we met through, you know, training with Tony. Yep. And, um, and for those of you that don't know, David was on my team. He was an amazing team member. He held my boots because they hurt terribly. <laughs> I was running through the streets of San Diego. <laughs> and so I was like, this guy is great. <laughs> oh my God. And then we went to that great um, uh, Italian restaurant. Remember yeah, that, with the families and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. That it was, was awesome. Oh, that's right. Yeah, when I came Mama out to visit. Mia's. Yeah. Did Mama Mia's. <laughs> Mama Mia's. I did some emotional eating that day, for sure. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Ital <laughs> Italian food uh, and just the Italian culture, right, is, is yep. inundated with that anyway. But yeah, so we met. So I was doing that for 19 years, private practice, and then I met you and kind of switched and did some coaching and then went back into private practice and then really went into developing some businesses. And so I've launched some businesses in the last, five years and um, that are doing very well so congratulations yeah. on that yeah like, thank you thank really you really good stuff so I, you know i really want to start with how you got into working with emotional eating you know and nutrition like kind of what's your backstory with that yeah so uh i you know it's no it's no real big secret um and i mentioned it a little bit in my book shattering the belief code but i was i was raised by a single mom uh, who had schizophrenia and bipolar disorder and was an alcoholic. And so I had to really learn psychology without knowing psychology, right? Yeah. Like that's how yeah. I was raised. Yeah. And so I always had this real interest in psychology and how the mind works and then how that interplays and makes us work because I was interested in 
what my relationship was with my mom and with people at large, right? Just as we all get curious. And so, but as I moved into college, uh, I was an athlete. I played field hockey and I field hockey. And yeah, yeah, I love, Very cool. love, I love field hockey. Uh, now I play tennis because I can't, uh, you know, if that field hockey ball hits me, it would hurt really bad. And at my age, I think about that. Yeah. At 15, yeah. it doesn't matter. 15, you're like, dude, it's made of skull. I'm fine. <laughs> Who cares, right? <laughs> so now I play tennis. The ball is smaller and not as hard. Yes. But um, <laughs> in any case, so I played at a lot of sports and I was really interested in nutrition. I took a nutrition course and my first nutrition course, I had an amazing instructor um, and he was the head of the department at the time at Westchester University where I did my undergraduate degree. And there was a one page outline on how dietitians were working with eating disorders and combining psychology and nutrition. Wow. And I was like, this is what I want to do. I was 19 years old. And you knew what you wanted from 19. I said that this is the combination. I love nutrition. I love science. I'm a science geek. Um, (laughs) I love knowing how the mind and the body works. And I love the therapeutic aspect of things. I know I'm good at helping people. I was good at talking to people. Even at that point in time, my sorority sisters call me Ruth after Dr. Ruth. That was my nickname. (laughs) <laughs> in, in my sorority they called you yeah. ruth after that Ruth. do they come with you with all their sexual problems too i, and, I uh, had no i was, <laughs> I, was I, I wouldn't go there but the we doctors might. Ruth, dr ruth <laughs> that's what i do i'm dr ruth right so that was my nickname and um i wanted to combine both so i remember vividly reading this one page outline going up to my professor and you know there's there's so many moments in our lives right where we the opportunity meets the personality and destiny happens. Yes, absolutely. And so I went up to my professor and I said, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to do what these people are doing. And, and he said to me, Wendy, you can do anything you want and I can show you how to do this. Wow. Wow. And that was the start of my career. And so I got my, yeah. And so I got my undergraduate degree in nutrition underneath him. I didn't know that at the time he was the head of the department. So he took me under his wing and helped me take some undergrad psych classes as I was getting my clinical nutrition degree. He helped uh, mentor me and get me at Georgia State University, where I worked underneath Dr. Dan Benedott, who was the sports nutritionist for the USA gymnastics team who won gold that year. I mean, Things just lined up for me. And so I got my graduate degree, uh, my master's degree in uh, nutrition education and then counseling and then opened my private practice right off the bat and specialized in eating disorders, had a 97% eating disorder caseload and disordered eating pattern. So those individuals I work with, anorexia, bulimia and compulsive overeating. And compulsive. So from both sides of the spectrum, which are all connected to the psychological piece. All connected. And interestingly enough, a lot of the issue underlying issues are very similar, which people. Now, what are those issues? What what are the underlying issues? Yeah. And there's, you know, there's so many, David, but just to kind of speak on a broad base, because everyone's got their own story, but things like feeling undeserving, feeling unworthy, right? It takes a lot of esteem to get through this world. Yeah, right. It's very true. How we look, how we act, you know, who we are, what we work as, whatever that might be, right? 
So those feelings of unworthy and undeserving are really key underneath this all. Yes. Can we really accept and own our greatness? Um, That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's really hard. And so that's one, one core piece for many people understanding who we are, what we bring to the table with respect to that. It can be, you know, a a really core piece for many people is feeling an emotion and Mm -hmm. not acting it out, actually feeling it and letting it come through as opposed to stuffing it or restricting with it or purging it, right? Which is what my clients did. Or for other people, drinking it or drugging it or sexing it or gambling it. Feeling our feelings is not taught in school. That's right. The F word. You're not supposed to yeah. talk about the F word. You're not. Right? Not, not right? in this society anyway. No. And I don't, I don't understand because if we just taught our kids just that. Yes. Just how to feel their feelings and move. Know, know that they'll come in a wave and they'll come through the other side. Yep. And just to hang in there, we would not deal with so many addictions. Yeah. And, and it's hard as a parent, right? Cause I've got a five-year-old and a seven-year-old Yeah, and my seven-year-old, when he gets upset, he wants to go into a room by himself and sit there and work it out. Right. Mm-hmm. And me, I'm like, dude, just come back in and be happy again. You know, like, or, <laughs> or just chill out or, or come clean up the thing that I told you to clean up or whatever it is. But the, but when I stop and I think about it, I'm like, you know what? I got to let him work this out in his way. Right? Yeah. And yeah. my daughter's the total opposite. She'll just like explode and just, wah, she's, she's feeling those emotions pretty good, right? Right. She's a girl. Um, she, she's a girl, right? <laughs> and, she, and she gets them out and, uh, and, and it's cool, you know, and, and it goes for a while. And then she's like, okay, what are we going to play next? Right? Yeah. Where my son, yeah. it takes him a little longer to, to work it out and he kind of wants to work it out by himself. Right? Yep. Yep. And learning, you know, even teaching them that process just in an awareness basis of, wow, Dude, I noticed when you get upset, you like to kind of go in your cave. You like yeah. to take that time and space. Yeah. And that's cool, right? Yeah. And and then just kind of showing him an awareness like what he's doing, right? Giving him a reflection. Such yeah. great teaching. Yeah. And then as a parent, knowing their process, so we don't try to speed it up for them. That, that's what we always want to do, right? We want yeah. to speed it up. Like, you know, yeah. uh, Come on, we're, we're, we're here at Disneyland. You're supposed to be having fun. This right. is going to be a fun day. I paid for this fun this day. This fun day costs me a lot of money. You're going to enjoy it whether you like it or not. <laughs> right, right. Be happy. Yeah. Yeah, be happy. This is the happy right. place on the planet. The commercial right. said so. Right. And we do that. It's natural as a parent. We do that. I know at least, you know, I'm a parent. I have three. I have a 15-year-old now, a 13-year-old, yes. and an 8-year-old. Yes. And yes. we do that because of how we feel when they're, they're upset. Yes. A hundred percent. Right. I mean, I recognize when my kids are upset, what it does to me internally. Yeah. Yeah. And, right? and it, cause it, it, we don't want our kids to be upset. Right. So no. we want them to get through it quickly. We'd want right. them to, to flip it around. We want to help them flip it around. Right. Right. And that's not always how it works. And, and the opposite side, like you had mentioned a minute ago, is stuffing down those emotions. Now, some kids come up in those environments where you're not allowed to express how you feel. You don't mm-hmm. talk back. You, you don't cry. You don't do all these different things, you know, man yeah. up, if, especially for little boys, right? That's right. Man up. And you got to And you got to cry, shove it down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to shove it down. There, yeah. There's actually a documentary that talks about that. I don't know if you're familiar with this or not, but uh, 
um, it, it's some, it's something along those lines, but the main premise is, you know, our Western society and pushing your feelings down, especially if you're a boy, right. Yeah. Growing up and stuff yep. and how that comes into play later on. Right. Mm -hmm. So especially come through, like you said, drugs or sex or gambling or different addictions that we have. Um, how, what about the food? H how does it really connect to that, that food? Yeah. Piece? So food and, and we'll just take the premise of overeating, right? So yes. food, people can feel a feeling and turn to food. Okay. Right. So they can stuff. Everybody has a different reason, so to speak, for overeating. Okay. For some people, it can be that stuffing of that feeling. I feel this feeling. It feels really uncomfortable and I'm just going to eat to get it to go away. Okay. And how Similar does the eating help it go away? How, how does it help, you know, pacify that? Yeah. So for, for everybody, it's a little bit different. It can be a distraction. Okay. Like you can't think about your feelings if you're eating. Ooh, that's a good one. Right. Yeah. It can also, and we know this to be true that um, physiologically and physically, we change our breathing pattern when we eat. Okay. So here's what happens. Follow this pattern. Yep. When we get nervous, anxious, fearful, afraid, a lot of people are right now. Yeah. We, are, we start breathing faster and faster yeah. and faster, right? Okay. Right. We learn that there are things that slow our breathing down, which calms us down. Ah. When we eat, we change our breathing. Yes. Yeah. So even smoking, right? Smoking you know, like does the same thing. If you're nervous and you smoke, you've got to breathe That's in, right. hold it. And then you and let it out. out. Yeah. And so not only is there a nicotine addiction with smoking, but there is also the breath change pattern in smoking. That's right. Which is the same thing with food. The body begins to know of, oh, I can feel relaxed if I just eat. Got it. Got it. Now, here's the question. Yeah. So if, if that's breathing and eating, why don't, you know, most people eat healthy food? So, okay, I'm nervous. I'm going to go get some broccoli and some kale out of the uh, refrigerator. Right. Right? Why, right. why has it got to be uh, a Big Mac and fries and a, and, a, and a Big Gulp? Yeah. And there is a reason. There's a biochemical reason. So uh -huh. carbohydrates increase serotonin in the brain. Okay. Okay. And the serotonin And the serotonin us. helps us feel happy. Okay. Serotonin gotcha. is the brain. Now, Conversely, also ooey gooey foods like pizza, which have uh -huh. a carbohydrate and a cheese, yeah. or maybe a hot fudge brownie sundae, yeah. which is kind of ooey gooey. Ooh, making that, my mouth water. Yep. And what has just happened for you is your dopamine level just kicked up really high. I haven't even had it yet. Yeah, no. <laughs> and, our do and your dopamine is surging. And yeah. that dopamine is what is our anti-anxiety brain chemical. Got it. So if we're really stressed out, like a lot of people, like you said, right now are really stressed out. Yeah, we, we've got this dopamine thing, just thinking about, hey, what, what's going to make me feel better? Or if you go by the fridge, or you know that that pasta is sitting in the fridge, or yeah. you know that that cake is in the fridge right now. Yeah, you know, your dopamine level goes up before you even get it. Before you even get it. Wow. That's what neurochemistry, neurobiology shows us. And then once you ingest it, you also get the dopamine as well as the serotonin from the carbohydrate in that food. Got it. Got and it. then your brain's like, woohoo. <laughs> so we're doomed. Right. There's just nothing we can do. <laughs> right. We just might as well just forget it and sit on the couch and eat carbohydrates all day and <laughs> dopamine ourselves up.
the, you you could or <laughs> or, <laughs> or I know there's anything. a solution to all this but but this is really good because a lot of times when you think about okay I'm going to go on a diet right and uh you know I when I'm coaching my clients it's like you know and you know this we need a compelling why like yeah. you need to know why you want because if you just ah, I just want to lose a few pounds yeah that you that's no competition for serotonin and dopamine Right? Absolutely not. You're, there's no competition. So you've got to have a compelling, compelling why. Uh, you're getting married coming up and you want to fit in that, into that dress, right? Mm -hmm. Or uh, you've got a competition coming up that you really want to win, you right. know? So finding that why, have you found that that's a, a big component as well? It's huge. And I'm going to tell you, I, I push my clients or challenge my clients to bring it down even further. So for example, Mm -hmm. If they say, okay, I want to get in that dress for that wedding, right? Like that's my yeah. why I'm yeah. going to say, and what feeling is that going to give you? And can you mm. visualize yourself there? Because you see, we've got to connect it into the emotions are what make us move into motion, right? Oh, that's a writer downer. If you're watching this right now, you should write that one down. Writer <laughs> <a> downer. So <laughs> emotions make us move into motion. So you just can't have the cognitive reasoning of, yes. I want to look good in my dress. Our cognitive brain, which is our front brain, it's called our cortex, yep. does not always control our eating or our buying or our gambling or our drinking or our drugging. It's our amygdala. It's our midbrain that hijacks us. It goes, whoop, that's where we feel. Yes. Right. So our feeling brain hijacks us and takes us away. Now, the thing is, is you got to have a feeling attached to your why in order to keep you in balance. Yeah. So, so um, it just going with your, uh, with our example here for, for the wedding, yeah. right? How are you going to feel, you know, so somebody might say, oh, I'm going to feel beautiful. I'm going to feel like the star of the show. I'm going to feel. Still cognitions. Okay. So, so, so give it, so what would be an emotional example? Yeah. Because somebody watching this right now is probably going through this exact thing. Okay, what do I need to feel? Right. So it would feel, I would feel, I'm going to feel accomplished. I'm going to uh -huh. feel like I did it. I'm going to feel like I own it, right? I'm going to feel, um, for some people, it might be happy, which I hate that. I, not that I hate the word. I like the ha word happy because that's on my shirt today. But because um, <laughs> we all need a little happiness, right? That's right. But, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to feel, um, accomplished. I'm going to feel happy. I'm going to feel worthy. I'm going to feel loved. You have to think about an emotion that's going to link you in to how you're going to feel once you complete this. Now that is fantastic. And, and when they're imagining that, what's, mm -hmm. is anything happening with their dopamine and their serotonin in that moment? Yeah, there's changes, not so much in the dopamine, but in the serotonin. Okay. And sports psychologists have known this for about 40 years now. We've used wow. visualization with our athletes. A visualize yourself getting the gold medal. Visualize yourself finishing the marathon. And that's why those people make it to that level because they visualize the end result and they mm -hmm. attach to that feeling. We all know that feeling, right? Whatever yeah. you've done in your life, we've all done something. That's right. right? Some more than others. I never won a gold medal, but you know, for the, <laughs> but when you have accomplished something and you get to that end and you're like, oh my God, I did this. Yes. That's the feeling. 
Yes. And that's a feeling that they can go back to and attach that feeling now to fitting inside into fitting into their dress. Exactly. Right? And it might also be that they visualize themselves in that dress on their wedding day. That's awesome. Now, how does that so so now they've done that part, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, they're walking through their house and the fridge is there and there's some cookies, you know, fresh break cookies just cooling down in there. Mm -hmm. And and their dopamine goes up. They're like, right. oh, I'm thinking about those cookies. And then now, ah, but I've got this wedding and, you know, yeah. and there's this battle that's going on. Yep. So how, how do you overcome that? Like, or yep. what's that process? In the moment. So first and foremost, you can do some behavioral interventions, which, are, which I call surface, but they work. Okay. One would be is take pictures of your wedding dress and okay. put them on the fridge. Okay. okay. Right? Take yeah. pictures of your wedding dress or the venue where you're going to get married or a place that you might be envisioning yourself being photographed for your wedding on okay. your phone, on your computer screen anywhere that you can, but definitely by the refrigerator, right? So that's a surface, what I call a surface behavioral intervention. And what does that do? It will attach you back, right? It couples. So it, it, you see that picture, you're going to attach it back to the fact that you want to get into that dress, right? It's using yeah. your cortex. And I'll explain the way that we can actually use your amygdala in a second. Okay. But, oh, that's the dress I want to get into. Wait a minute. I don't want to do this. Right. 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 So you can use those interventions, right? Okay. The other piece that I find that can work for any stimulus, because here's what's happening right now, right? We all have stimulus surrounding us all the time, meaning we're hearing about the virus, we're hearing about whatever, something's going on at work, something else came out about another quarantine, whatever that is, right? Yeah. Where we're all getting inundated with this information. Yep. And we're all walking around and nobody's recognizing it in our body holding stress. So mm. we might be like this with our shoulders hunched up. We might be clenching our fists. Yeah. We're stressed. Nobody's even recognizing it. So wow. the first thing you can do, for example, you're walking you know, along the fridge, right? By the fridge, you're smelling the yeah. cookies. And you might the be. first thing you can do is recognize, oh my gosh, how do I feel in my body? Mm. What happened? See, nobody goes to the body, but the body holds everything when it comes to food. And I'll explain how. A chain of events occur, and I'm not going to go through them all because we won't get out the whiteboard. But, <laughs> <laughs> but when we, when we, um, you know, when our breathing increases, when we start to clench, tighten our jaw, right? All of the signs of feeling a feeling. Everyone's feelings are different. Yeah. And we're about to kind of snap and grab that cookie. Mm -hmm. There's a chain of events that occurs, and it ends with our body releasing adrenaline and cortisol. Okay. Okay. So it goes from the thalamus to the hypothalamus to the amygdala. Again, we won't go through that, but it's there. Just okay. so you know. Okay. It ends then pumping out adrenaline and cortisol into our system. So we're all jacked up. We're not breathing. Our brain right. knows if we just eat the cookie, we'll relax. Right? Okay. <laughs> right. It knows that, right? Our yeah. body knows if we just eat the cookie, we'll relax because it will put us into action. Right. Right. If you can simply, one, get a sense of how your body feels and change it. So relax your shoulders. Put your arms down. Take a minute. Big, deep Breathe. breath, or what I call the pause. So you yeah. pause. So before you grab the cookie, 
pause. You take pause, notice your, your body, relax your body mm-hmm. and breathe. Yeah. Wow. And Could what it be that, that does easy? is it, it can. Now I'm going to tell you, it doesn't, it doesn't make it go away forever. I mean, if you stand there in front of those cookies long enough, you're going to start tensing back up again. Like, I'm just going to smell the cookie. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Oh, you can't do that, oh, David. <laughs> oh, that smells so good. I'm not going to eat it. I'm just going to smell right. it. I'm just going to smell it. And you're ready, right? Everything starts rising again. So you got to move right. into the pause. Once right. you get that pause, once you, once you breathe and get the pause, you can think again. Yeah, got it. And then you can hopefully get out of there. What I've taught my clients for years is if you can set a timer for 30 or 60 seconds. Okay. Get out of the room where the stimulus is, right? Relax your body. Take a deep breath. Get out of the room where the stimulus is, in this case, the cookies, right? Okay. Set a timer on your phone or whatever else you might have, 30, 60 seconds and breathe. I love it. And then recognize if you really still want those cookies. Recognize it. Try and bring your frontal brain back in awareness mode. And just by me teaching you this today, you'll start to get a better sense of awareness because most people don't recognize what happens in their body or their brain when this whole chain of events occurs. Wow. Okay. And so, it can be different things that set it off, right? So this one particular example is stress, right? Right? Can uh, boredom do that Absolutely. too? Absolutely. Like, oh, what what should I do now? Oh, I'll just go eat something. Yep. And boredom can absolutely do it, right? Because we're wanting to move into action. We are we are motion oriented beings. We you have to think about how we were raised from a primitive, right? Caveman, uh-huh. cave woman, right? You know, I might have been like you know, sewing things and getting the, getting the whole tribe together and, and making rock formations for everyone to sleep in. Like we were constantly in motion. Yeah. And yeah, you right. might've been out hunting the Buffalo. Yeah. We just right? watched the crudes as there a family. We were not in motion, but we were watching the crudes. Right. <laughs> and they were <laughs> the right? cavemen. Yeah. The but, cavemen but they were family. in constant motion. Yeah. yeah. And in our society, we're not, we might be in constant motion up here, but we're not all in constant motion in our body. Right. And so, but we can be if we use food in our house. Got it. So even the act of eating is putting ourselves into motion. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. So here's a question. So this is something that um, I don't know if anybody else struggles with this. Like if I, if it's at night and I'm, I've got my, my, my wife and I were like, okay, we're going to watch a Netflix thing. Right. Yeah. So we're sitting there at night. And, uh, and so I'm like, gosh, I want like some popcorn or some chips or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that all about? So it can be one out of boredom Two, It can be a couple what we call a coupled behavior. Okay. So when I do this, I do this too. So when like I habit. watch a movie, I eat popcorn. Yeah. 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 It's a behavior coupled with another behavior. Okay. And how do I break out of that? Like, how do I separate myself Mm -hmm. from that one? If it's just a behavior with a behavior and not an emotion, you've got to tackle it behaviorally. So what happens is one, you can make that be the no eating zone. Like, so when you start to, when you begin watching movies, Uh you just don't bring food to the table. You don't bring food to the couch. We just don't eat in this room. 
Hmm, that's you good. Can, you can handle that from Let's a Let's go angel. wash this in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're gonna move it to the kitchen, and then you're in trouble. <laughs> Let's go watch this on top of the fridge. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put We're the gonna iPad put the right new here. TV on top of the fridge, honey. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what? I, what one thing that that has worked for me is I try to replace it with something else, right? So if I'm gonna drink a beer, right, some empty calories or something, I'll get like a, a Perrier, you know, sure. uh, and it's got bubbles in it. You know, right. I could put it in a glass, put it on a rock, and sip that or something is yep. is that helpful or is that going down the wrong direction it depends on the individual so what you've learned is a great technique and it works for some people it mm -hmm. absolutely especially with beverages beverages tend to be a little bit easier to replace for uh -huh. most people so and you made that kind of switch between beer and perrier so very similar construct in you know bubbly right refreshing yeah. cold Right. You yeah. might pop the top on it like you would in a yeah, beer. Yeah, I get the oh. cans and I get. Yeah. That's right. It's exactly the same. And we forget that beverages hold all of that sensory information. Mm. So people, instead of drinking a beer, they go, oh, I'm just going to have some warm water. And I'm like, what? <laughs> not even close. We're like, I'm not have even some tea. <laughs> we're not even in the spectrum, right? Because with a beer, you might be looking for cold, fizzy pop the top, right? Yeah, we yeah. associate the whole experience of that even before we take a sip. Wow. And there's that dopamine serotonin thing happening. Well, there's again, a change right? that happens with alcohol, right? And also with that kind of the comfort or the feeling that we might get of having that. Yeah, that refreshment. Yep. Yep. So yeah, you have to replace it with something very similar, like a canned Perrier cold, Right. Yeah, yeah. So you get the same experience. Somebody loves red wine. I might tell them to make a really strong, which you don't get cold. Right. right? Red right. wine is, is, is usually room temperature. Room temperature. Uh -huh. So you can make a really nice, strong, very strong hibiscus tea. Hibiscus is an herbal tea. Okay. And you can steep it for a really long time. Okay. And it becomes very, very dark red. And oh, very wow. intense in its flavor. Wow. And so you would keep that and you would drink it room temperature in a wine glass. Wow. Look Same at that. Beer, right? That's some ninja technique. That's a writer downer too. <laughs> Sorry. Anybody, anybody who's into the wine, that's a good one. I, right. I, I never heard of that. that that's yeah. awesome. But you have to, because you have to think about the whole experience that we get from beverages, which is the same thing with foods, right? The whole experience yes. that we get with foods. So that, that was, was my next question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you're used to eating like pasta and pizza, and so for me personally, mm -hmm. you know, I can, I can do a, a, a diet pretty good, or I don't even call it a diet. I just, my eating plan when I'm here in the States, is pretty good. Mm -hmm. As you know, my wife is from Italy right. and we spend the summers in Italy. And when I get there, it's like the kids are eating gelato, like homemade <laughs> gelato every day. I'm like, Oh, I could do one of those. You know, and, and then it's like the region where my wife is from. Yeah. They have something called pasta la chitara. So it's okay. guitar pasta. And there's this, this machine that makes the, the, the dough look like guitar string. It looks like guitar strings. Really? And, oh, it's just amazing. And there's this wild boar that they use and they make the sauce and, you know, all this. Stuff. My dopamine's through the roof right now. Can well, you see? It's moving the headphones. Like, my dopamine's going so high. <laughs> <laughs> and uh but they've got you know they, they've got great fresh produce there uh you know the yeah. farmer's market 
is a farmer's market. Like you, if you want to go to the market, you walk down to, to the little farmer's market every day and yeah. you buy, you can buy fresh vegetables. You can buy uh, meats there. Right. Um, all the, all the healthy stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, right. So, so my question is how do you replace all that, you know, the pasta and the pizza and all that stuff that makes your dopamine go through the roof to like maybe some vegetables and meat and more of my regimen that I eat when I'm here in the States. Yeah. So first of all, one, getting texture and taste similar can okay. be really helpful. So for example, like zucchini noodles, you ah, can make zucchini yeah. noodles into a, similar to a pasta and you can put a great red sauce over top with some meatballs. So at least you're still getting the same texture, right? It's probably, it. not, it's probably not the same as what you get in Italy, though. That I might have to defer. Oh, it's not pasta chitata, but I <laughs> right, get what yeah. you're saying, though. Right, but but right. you're going you're gonna to feel like, okay, this is my pasta dish. Right, right. So there's a similar taste and texture, right? Which is that mm -hmm. experience I was talking about. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then conversely, also remembering that in America, you pointed out something great that the Italians really do when they live in Italy and other countries do, I visited Spain for a few weeks, many years ago, and it was the same thing. They walk down to the market and yeah. all foods are, we, they revel in all foods from the beauty of the kale that just came off the vine, right. Yeah. To, you know, to the pasta, to the, to the fresh meats, like they love the array of food. Yes. Here in America, it's interesting. People buy vegetables because they're supposed to. <laughs> right, 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 right. We buy fruit because we have to. But man, yeah. oh, let's look at the cakes and the cookies. Yes. Like we have a very different mentality when it comes to food here in America that other countries right. don't have because they really look at the beauty of all food. Uh, that we is very, that that's very interesting, you know, and there's even ingredients that in Europe that are illegal that you're allowed to put into foods here. And I can't think of uh, the specific examples. This is not my expertise, but um, there's a lot, but, but there's a lot, right. Mm -hmm. um, I know, especially with breads as well, you know, the yep. bread is completely different in uh, Europe than the breads here because of the ingredients and what yep. they're allowed we, to yeah. put in the bread. They're not, we put a preservative here in a lot of our breads called propionate. Okay. It's 100% linked to obesity. Wow. Wow. Kind of interesting, right? It's There's very no, interesting because yeah. in, in France, they eat bread every day. Right. You know, like a right. baguette, a baguette and cheese, formage. Right. Yeah. Right? Because it's whole, it's fresh. Yes. It's right. And they don't put high fructose corn syrup. We put high fructose corn syrup in a lot of our breads here. We put oh, this other preservative true. called yep. propionate. And so there, their food is made very different. Their portion size is very different, right? Very like, true. Very you know, true. I mean, you might talk about having a single serving baguette this big if you're over in Italy. And here <laughs> right. we get like, you, you got to supersize it. Yeah, supersize right, it. Right. Would you like to supersize that? Well, yeah. yes, I would. It's, <laughs> yes, the same I would. it's only 25 cents more. <laughs> right. Give I mean, it all to I, me. Literally. And if you say no, <laughs> they think you're crazy. Like the other, the other day yeah, I was at 25 cents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's that? I mean, the other day I was at Starbucks and I was like, I really just want a tall tea. And she's like, you know, it's, it's only 20 cents more if you get the, the grande. I'm like, I really just want it tall. I'm like, I'm okay. She's like, are you sure? I'm like, <laughs> I'm good. 
<laughs> All right. It's it's your loss. You All know? right. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm, I'm good. But we do that with food too, right here in yeah. America. It's, we are out of portion. We are out of portion with our portion control. I mean, that's yeah. the truth. That That right? is the truth. And yeah. You know, is there anything to, you mentioned high fructose corn syrup, for example, mm-hmm. like I've heard that if you took a supersized big gulp, something right of like Coke or some kind yeah. of soda, and you didn't put in high fructose corn syrup, you just put in regular sugar, like cane mm-hmm. sugar. Yeah, it would be so much that your body couldn't even absorb it all. But because it's fructose corn syrup, I mean, is that true? Fructose corn syrup, you can consume more of it. You can consume more of high fructose corn syrup and high fructose corn syrup. We do know is addictive. Yeah. Yeah. And we also know that it blocks the liver. And so that high fructose corn syrup actually blocks up the liver. And so then we have a difficult time metabolizing fat, which is kind of interesting. Oh, so you can't metabolize the fat through your liver. And so you become more obese. Yes. Yes. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. So there's wow. a lot that goes on. The food politics in our, our country is, I mean, we could probably spend about four hours together just on that. Oh, alone. yeah. There's oh, a my lot gosh. on that. But for people to know when it comes to overeating, yes, sometimes, and I'm going to say this, it's really not your fault. Because what I said about high fructose corn syrup, it's addictive. Yeah. It's hard not to overeat it. There are yes. other preservatives and additives that are addictive. And so our mouth and our body pulls us to eating them. Yes, yes. And knowing that and recognizing it is important so that either one, you clear it out of your pantry or two, you at least know, hey, that's pulling me because my body or my mouth, right? Because some of it's a mouthfeel thing uh-huh. is, is, is addicted to that substance. And they have teams of scientists that are doing this on purpose, right? They're they're trying to come up with something that's addictive, so you'll keep buying them. Yeah. I mean, the food marketing industry is a $36 billion dollar industry. So they're marketing to us, right? It, they spend $36 billion to market us. Do you think, we don't know the ROI on that, but they're smart business people. Yeah. Can you only imagine how much they're making? Oh yeah, with stock yeah. prices going, right. you know. If they're if they're spending thirty six billion on marketing, yeah, you know that they've got to be making over hundred, two hundred, you know, billion dollars back. Yeah, yeah, it's it, a huge industry to make money. Wow, it's big, and so with all that stacked up against us, it's no yeah. wonder where we, you know, obesity is on the rise. Right, something right. like forty percent of Americans are. Um, obese. Is that right? I, yeah. I, heard something like that. I think it's between 36 and 40. And okay. the last I heard, because you know, they're constantly updating stats, right? Sure. But the last I heard that the amount of people, I think it was 72 million Americans were wow. obese, which wow. actually is the entire West coast of the country. That's amazing. It's amazing. That's amazing. And, yeah. and, and like you said, it's not necessarily our fault. Right. Because we've been marketed to so much. And from the time we're a little kid, um, poverty has something to do with that as well. You know, Absolutely. if you can't afford to go to, to Whole Foods, you know, and, right. and, and pay those type of prices. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's so much stacked against us. So what I, you know, you've given us such great strategies. If we were going to boil it down to three things we can do, especially in quarantine right now. Yeah. What would be the most important things, the most important three things that we could do to, to, to at least start 
to to fight back against yeah. this uh, against this machine. Yeah, one learn what your issue is. While you know, okay. if you're having a problem overeating in quarantine, or if you had a problem before, okay. right? Figure out what where your what your problem is. You know, is it emotional? Is it more of what we talked about, just a behavioral and a coupling of behaviors, right? Or is it something that you might be kind of more addicted to, like high fructose corn syrup or a non-nutritive sweetener, right? So, so figure out what your, your core obstacle is, right? Like what, okay. what is your core obstacle? Two, don't forget then, if you're going to try and tackle that, right, and work okay. with it, don't forget about your body, right? Learn that your body holds your emotions, right? And we all are holding those right now. Excellent. I'm writing these down because I'm going to post these up here for people yeah. as well. Learn yeah. that your body holds emotion. Right. So and notice it. Yeah, notice it and, and change it. Change that physiology, right? So if you're holding your shoulders up, if you're clenching your jaw, you're holding your fists, change it. Relax. And you gave it. us a great framework for that. So stop, right? Mm -hmm. uh, breathe. Mm -hmm. And then leave the room. Yep. For the 60 stimulus, seconds. Right? Yep. 60 yep. seconds. T set a timer on your phone. The room or the stimulus. Mm -hmm. And uh, set a timer. Okay. Yep. Awesome. And, uh, and then the third thing? Yeah. And then recognize them. What can you do right now? Right? So what, where can you go with that then? Can you leave and walk away from the cookies? Do you need more time in the pause? What can you do in the moment? Because recognizing that whole cascade of event has occurred. I mean, a yes. lot of this is awareness oriented, but recognizing that that whole cascade occurred, you're now in cortisol and adrenaline, right? Yep. And so breathing and pausing helps reduce cortisol. Just like wow. singing and dancing helps reduce cortisol. Oh, wow. That's why it feels so good in the morning. Yeah, yoga. Do you sing <laughs> and dance you're driving in the morning? down the, the street and your favorite song comes on and you just start right. singing like yeah. instantly. It goes right yeah. into your nervous system. It helps release cortisol. It helps pump up serotonin. There's a lot that goes on in that, right? Yeah. So develop a couple strategies for yourself in that pause, right? What can you do then? For everybody, it's different. For some of my clients, they can just walk away. They walk out the door and they walk down the street. Other yeah. people can then put a song on and maybe try and move. Some other people have to just keep breathing and hanging yeah. in there for another 60 seconds. Yeah, yeah. Every per but figuring out what can you do in the moment because we all want to feel a locus of control. We want to all feel like we can do something, right? That's right. So I know it doesn't always make sense to just check in with your body, but it's such a key, right? Yeah, and yeah. Then that's something we don't do often enough. No, we don't all. check in with our body or our feelings. Yes. There's that F word again. See, you, keep, that you, darn F you word. keep bringing up the F word on this thing. <laughs> Just take those cookies and flush them down the toilet. Ugh, That's the F that. word. Take that. How take do you that. feel now, cookies? How do you feel now? <laughs> And you, you can me? do that if that's what you want to do, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, pause. yeah. I got to figure out how to do that with a pizza and I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, your poor wife. No, don't do that. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> baby, stop up your toilet. You're pizza again? Boom. <laughs> Take that. You're going to mess up your plumbing. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I want to stay married too. So there you right, go. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, but, but it's great. You know, that's really helped me because my wife's a vegetarian. She's Italian, but she doesn't eat pasta. She rarely eats oh, pizza. 
Yeah. And um, so, you know, having somebody to encourage you through this too, you know, yeah. she'll, she'll look at me like, are you sure you want to eat that? You know, I'm like, no, baby, I don't. <laughs> you got any more kale? <laughs> let's, eat the, let's eat the kale chips. Um, but this is great. This has been so helpful. Um, I, and you know, again, I'm on the, the zoom, so I'm not looking at all your comments in there. Um, but type into the comments, if this has been helpful for you, put some likes up there. Uh, some, some love for Wendy for taking her time, uh, yeah. to come help us. I mean, this was super helpful. So informative. I'm going to go back and watch this again. Great. And, Thanks, uh, and if you're with us, share this with somebody who needs to see this. This is huge. This is something we're all going to be in together, um, especially with all this extra time, our fridges, you know, um, it, it's, it's crazy. No, nobody's uh, panic buying Oreos just yet. So they're, they're still available, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although there's a lot that is taken up. We were kind of surprised at all the shelves of chips that were gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and so this is a real thing that we have to be aware of. And uh, these are great strategies to, to get people started. If they want to go, if anybody listening wants to go a little bit deeper um, what's the best way that they can learn from you or, or get some more of your information? Yeah. So we just launched the overcoming emotional overeating podcast, um, which has been three years in the making. And, and we saw where this was going and we said, now's the time we need to release this and launch it. People are at home. People need help. People yes. have always needed help, but this is the time. It, the time is now. So we just launched that. We've got episode 10 out. We'll drop uh, two podcasts a week, Monday and Thursday. So you can listen more on overcoming emotional overeating. Got some great interviews and some great um, tips that come out, as well as some uh, question and answers that I've had with live uh, clients. So uh, this is fantastic. And, and the name of it is uh, overeating. Overcoming. Uh, overcoming, excuse me, overcoming yep. emotional overeating. And yep, I'll put that up here in the group yep. as well. With Wendy and, Francis. Uh, and uh, if you want more information on Wendy, it's wendyfrancis.com, Wendy with an I, W-E-N-D-I, francis.com. And uh, thank you so much. And uh, say hello to your wonderful family for me. I will. I will. You too, David. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend. Rate, review, and subscribe. You never know who you'll help become the next overcomer.